word. In John 12, beginning in verse 35 through 36, it says, And Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. This phrase, this W word is walk in the light. Jesus is the light. And He has said we also become the light of the world in Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful for that today. And, and, and as we go through this, I'm going to share some things with you that you've probably never heard because I've never heard this before. I wish someone would have told me this a long time ago. That way I wouldn't have had to just find it out. And I didn't know it. Not, not until this, as I was working on this sermon series. And so don't say, Preacher, why didn't you tell us about this two years ago or a year ago when you first got here? This is, this is amazing. I didn't know. God waited for this time to share this with us because we're ready for it. If you look with me in Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to come back to this section a little later, but in verse 4, the following is what Paul writes. And it's the A word, which is alive in Christ. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So we're alive with Christ. Now you may have heard Paul talk about that and share about being alive in Christ. When he came to the churches, he said, I don't want to know anything but Jesus and Him crucified. Gospel. That's it. I don't want to know anything else. And he even said, I'll be a fool. If I'm going to be a fool, I'm going to be a fool for Christ. If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in what God has done. And that's a true boast of God's glory and greatness. And Paul had a, one of these moments where if you've ever memorized the passage in Scripture, this is one of them that I love. And he said this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who dwelleth within me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He is alive in Christ. It is His joy. We are. And I'm sharing these things with you in this word water about things that are transformed in our lives when we belong to Jesus. The first one is we walk in the light. The second is we are alive in Christ. The third one is we are transformed. Romans 12.2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove that which is the good, perfect, holy will of God, that you would not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but transformed. And Paul is real clear about that. And the passage we read today in verse 18, he even talks about that transformation. He says, We are being transformed from the same image, from glory to glory. We are becoming the image of God. The light that's on Christ when He was here is on you and I. And it gets greater and greater. I've seen it on people. I've seen it on many of you. When Ginger stands up and testifies, you can see the glow of God and the excitement. You can't contain it. When Larry Joe came up a couple weeks ago and said, Anointing! I felt it. I saw it. It was God on Him. 
This is what God is talking about. This is what He's doing here. He's transforming this church to be the image of Christ to the world around us. I am seeing it. I believe, and and I could be just mere conjecture, but I believe it's because Ginger was a part of the revival and carried the Spirit of God with her where God said, I'm starting in Milburn and carrying it forward, that she was there and it was on her and it came there to Paducah. When I saw Friday, several people give their life to Christ at the fall outreach, and I saw transformation happening in front of me, I knew God was at work. When you begin to see God working, it really fires you up. (laughs) And it really fired me up when the guy said, I don't want to hear about it. You get away from me. I don't want to be here. I have to be here. God still wanted to heal him. (laughs) Even though he didn't want someone else who he didn't know to even come near him or talk to him, God still wanted to heal him. And I don't think God ever relents from that. I believe God still wants to heal that man. And if he'll just come and say, God, I need you, heal me, he will. I believe that. That that call of God is not reversible. That it isn't going to stop until the man either surrenders or dies. One or the other. And that's what it is for us. We're either going to surrender or die one of the days. We're either going to say, God, you got it all. Or one day we'll say, well, I wish I would have. I wish I would have. But this transformation is true for a believer. Now, here's the hard part. (laughs) We don't know it. I I mean, after all, it's the same face in the mirror, right? Same old body and clothes and all this. Oh, we're not transformed. The transformation is from the inside out. It starts as a spiritual transformation. It may never show in the way your hair looks. Matter of fact, it may never change the way you appear physically. But it will change what you do. And it will change what you say. And I have to share this with you. That as part of that transformation period, the E in the word water is emptied out. Emptied out. And that emptied out means that we have been emptied of what used to be ungodliness. God is cleaning it out. He's washing us clean. We we sing about being washed in the blood. We sing about, I am whiter than snow. That God in Isaiah says, um, though your sins be as scarlet, I will wash you and make you as white as snow. I'm going to empty you out. (laughs) Now that's a powerful statement. But what we don't understand is that's a reality. It's not, well, it's still there. No, it's gone. You're the only one who remembers them. And people who will remind you. But God says, I don't remember that anymore. Their sins and iniquity, says Hebrews chapter 13, I will remember no more. As far as the east is from the west. They are gone from me. I don't know what you're talking about. You're the only one who can bring that stuff up. God no longer holds that in your charge. The enemy can do it. Other people will certainly remind you of stuff you've done wrong. And so will you. But God says, that's empty now. It's gone. You are free from that. If you understand that in Christ you are a new creation, and you are. But we don't seem to have a 
short-term memory on this stuff. We have a real long-term memory, don't we? But God says, I don't remember that. Now, why do we? Maybe it's because we don't understand what God has called us to and why it is a transformation. And I, I want to share this with you. And this is a verse in 1 Peter, a couple of verses, that tell us who we are. And, and, and I, I really, really get excited about this. First of all, let me tell you this, if you don't know this. Now, this is real simple, basic gospel stuff. You are redeemed. You're called to the Christ. You belong to God. Jesus has you as His brother. You belong to Christ. All for His glory. You are redeemed. Blood bought, born again, believer. That is what you are. But we don't understand that redeemed for something. We're not redeemed just to be redeemed. We're redeemed for something. And First Peter tells us in chapter 2 what that is. And when you hear this, you I've read this passage and I go, yeah, I know. Oh, I know. But it's not how you should read that passage and go, oh, I know. You know why? Because it's true. And if you recognize the truth in it, when I share this with you, you'll go, okay, I know. Thank you. It's not like that. It's chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He says, you, that means each of us who belong to Jesus, you are, not you will be, not you could be, you are a chosen generation. You are the R word, a royal priesthood. No. No, 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 I'm no minister. Uh, uh, that's what I hear people say all the time. Will you pray? Oh, I'm no preacher. You're a royal priesthood. You are a priest. And what's the priest's job? To offer prayer and sacrifices to God. That's the priest's job. That's his whole job. That's what he did all day long. Pray and offer. Man, that would be an easy job, but it would be so many people that need it done. Because there's only one high priest in the Old Testament and now. And that was Jesus. But in the Old Testament, there's only one high priest, and he had to do it all. Woo! I don't know about you, but you got about 500,000 minimum coming on Pentecost or all these festivals that need you, if you're the high priest, to receive their sacrifices and pray for them. That's a busy week. That's a busy festival. And I, I still don't understand why they had so many festivals. I guess maybe because the priests needed some breaks between them. And hey, just come to read the festival. <laughs> but you imagine a nation of three to four million people and they're all required once a year to make that pilgrimage. And the, and the high priest's job was to receive that. The iron waters, you're a royal priesthood, but he doesn't just say you're a chosen generation, which you are, God has chosen you. Amen? may not feel like it sometimes, but you are chosen. You are royal priesthood. You're in the lineage of God in Jesus Christ. Next thing, you're a holy nation. Uh, it doesn't say that the nation you live in is holy. It says you are a holy nation. Now wait a minute. I'm an American... I'm born American, I'm an American citizen, therefore my nation's holy. It doesn't say that. It says you 
as believers in Christ, are a nation within a nation. If you will, a nation in the world. This is a holy nation. I got convicted of something this week. I want to share this with you. I don't plan on saying this, but it just came in and I know someone needs to hear this. Elijah was despaired. I think he battled depression. I don't know, but he was giving up. He said, God, no one follows you. No one cares. No one wants you. No one. And God says, I've got a remnant. In this land, there are 7,000 who've never bowed their knee to Baal, but only to me. 7,000 that you don't know about. And I said, but, 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 and here's Elijah, but how do I know? And he said, because I'm God and I know these things, right? But here's my cry in my heart. I said, but the 7,000 were quiet about their God. Otherwise, Elijah would have heard at least one of them talk about him. Do you know why Christians sometimes feel so alone? It's because sometimes they don't think there's any others around who believe what they believe. Who walk the path they walk and believe in Christ Jesus so they can't talk about Him without feeling like they're going to be ashamed and rejected. Elijah didn't hear anybody praying. There is nobody. I'm the only one making a noise. I'm the only prophet. Well, guess what? God had 7,000 He reserved. And there are people around us that we don't know about because they're quiet. So we got to be the ones to speak out because God started with us. The responsibility is ours because He started here. So we have to be the one to speak it out that we are a holy nation. That our nation needs to be holy. That it needs God. I heard one person say, from my house all the way to the White House, we need God. I've never seen a president so unsure in our lives whether he's even a citizen of this country. I've never. We don't know. To me, all I know is there's so much confusion in our country because God isn't enthroned in the hierarchy of our country. But not only does He say we're a holy nation, I love this. He says, we are His, His own special people. I don't know about you, but when I think of special people, man, my heart just excited about them and loves them. We are His own special. You are God's special person. He chose you. He loves you. He desires to be time with you, to spend His life and eternity pouring out His goodness upon you. It's His desire. And and we think, well, yeah, that sounds good and one day it'll happen. But He's saying you are. Not you will be special to God. You're the apple of His eye. He loves you that much. Oh, Peter, what else you got to tell us? He says, this is why, so you would proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into the light. That you should be rejoicing every day that you are no longer what you were. I once was blind, but now I see. And you can't have that testimony until you see. 
You have to know that you are broken, blind, and without Christ before you can say, He found me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You can't be, I once was found, and now I'm found. doesn't work. He brings you out of despair into His presence. And, and Peter tells us this in such a way, and, and not only that, he says in verse 10, who once were not a people. <laughs> yeah, catch that. The holy nation of believers in Jesus Christ throughout the world were not a people at one time. We were part of different countries and nations and lineages, but now we're a people. We have an identity in Jesus Christ. He is our life and light, our hope and our salvation. We are now the people of God. I'm just reading what Peter said. I'm not making this up. I'm not making Peter's words up. This was written long ago. He said, we are the people who had not obtained mercy. But now, we got it. (laughs) Now we got the mercy. There was a time here when I said, I don't know when God's going to be merciful to us, but He started showing His favor in 2015. I remember, I don't know if this was the first thing, but it was one of the first things when Jerry Lee said, my uncle, my uncle, says he hears about what you're trying to do and he believes in it and he wants to put brick on your building for free. And I'm going, okay. Okay. We'll see how this turns out. I've heard it before. I've heard promises and seen them fall through. I've worked with contractors. (laughs) If you know what I mean, they're not always reliable. And so... Brenda says, yeah, Jerry Lee says his uh, uh, uncle there will do our wall. I said, yeah, I heard about that, but I've never met him. Oh, he was just here. You missed him. Uh-huh. Maybe he's serious. Maybe God is trying to tell us something. <laughs> Maybe God is trying to get me a little more sure that the people God are raising up, he's really raising up. Come on now. Don't you sometimes wonder when people say, I'm going to do this for you, and you wonder, well, Don't you have that skeptic part of you saying, well, I've heard this before. Don't, don't you have that? I have that. Unfortunately, it's one of my spiritual gifts. I'm a skeptic. It's one of the worst things I ever had, I think, but it, apparently it's a gift because i got a lot of it. So I like to find stuff and then prove it, and then after I prove it, to question it again. You know, I think Christopher Columbus needs to sail around the world again and prove it's round. You know what I mean? I'm that kind of guy. But here he says, we have obtained this mercy and God has begun to work here in this year. And, and, and Dennis wasn't the only guy God rose up. We know that. He rose up Jerry. Those guys are changed because of what they've done. Not because of what we did for them, because of what they did for us. They're the ones who began to speak the message of let's do for others. He rose up Charlie too. Yeah, and then Charlie heard that. And others, and Alan heard that. And others. All I'm trying to share with you is, it's not over, it's just beginning. 
We have obtained mercy and favor and we need to believe it. I believe it. I'm not skeptic anymore. I believe it. And I walk every day in that assurance that God backs it up. That I am chosen. That I am a royal priesthood. That God says I'm holy. Even when I don't feel holy. My feelings have nothing to do with the reality because God sees me as righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. He says in that word water, in that acrostic, all these things are true of us. We are the water of life being poured out. But there's a basin word. And i got to tell you, when I... When, I had 20 different acrostics for this thing, okay? I told Larry Joe I had eight different revisions of this message. And it's true, I did. Last night I woke up, I'd fallen asleep working on it, and I still wasn't satisfied, I didn't know what God was trying to do. And I woke up and I said, fire water! I was not thinking about this sermon, I just woke up and the word fire water came out of my head and I said, yeah, yeah! We're baptized by water and fire. And he says, no, that's the word. And so I tried. Didn't work. Didn't have an, a word that fits some of those letters properly for what God wanted to do. But he set me on a new path. And he set me on a new path. And, and when he set me on that new path, all of a sudden, this thing, basin, fell into my hands. Seriously. Y'all know what a basin is, right? You familiar with them? My grandmother had this for years. I've never seen it used. I said, when my sister was getting rid of stuff and she was moving to Colorado, she said, go and get some stuff. It's okay. And I saw this. And I said, I remember that at grandma's house. Why don't she ever use it? There's not a scratch on it. <laughs> There's not even a, a stain on it. I don't think it's ever been used until today. I don't even know how old it is. But I said, I like that. That's a basin. That's a water basin. Doesn't have any water in it, mind you. But that is a basin. I want you to see what that looked like. A basin is what we are. A basin holds things. It also can be poured into, and when it's overflowing, poured out. And that word, basin, tells us our privileges that we have in Jesus Christ. The word basin, the B. Now this is, this is going to be the hardest one for most of us, okay? I'm saying that up front because I had to work on this and I'm a preacher. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you might remember that passage we, we started there. Verse 12. He says, since we have such hope. Now we're talking about the hope that I just outlined that Peter tells us we have. It says, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. There's your B word. Boldness. Some of us won't even say hello in the name of Jesus. <laughs> hi, hi. In the name of Jesus, hi. Won't even do that. We're not bold. The disciples in the upper room prayed for boldness. You might not have it because you don't want it. 
<laughs> fact of the matter, a lot of us, we get it. We, we don't know what to do with it. First time God gave me boldness, I started talking about stuff that had nothing to do with Jesus, but I was bold. It was kind of funny. People go, why are you talking about that? I said, I don't know. I'm just bold. I go, oh. Oh, I like that. God has made me bold about stuff I didn't even need to be bold about. But do you have boldness? A friend of mine named Kelly is very, very bold with her faith. And I said, why is that? She says, I think it's because of my name. And I said, what do you mean? She said, Kelly means bold. And I was named right. Maybe you need boldness. Unless you have it, you need it. These are what the 180 life looks like. And when you wake up in the morning and you're going out, you can say, God, give me somebody I can talk to about you. Give me somebody I can reach for you. I want that boldness. I want that holy boldness. So I don't want to just talk to me making noise, God. I want your words, your glory to come out of my mouth. I want that kind of boldness. I need you, God, to show me that your power's in me and I'll be bold. I'll speak, you back it up. And that's kind of scary. Because that means those 7,000 at Elijah's time, if they'd have prayed and asked for boldness, they would not have been silent and Elijah wouldn't have been in despair, giving up. You know, Elijah is one of the greatest prophets of all time, speaking to that man. And I, I, uh, I got to tell you, he thought he lost everybody. <laughs> Signs and wonders, Mount Carmel, all of those things, calling fire from heaven. And he thought nobody believed after all the signs and wonders. Can you believe that? Seeing God do all these signs and wonders and nobody believing. Well, it's no wonder he wanted to give up. There was no fruit. Or maybe the fruit was silent. Ask God for boldness. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we are required, and God has said, we are bold with His Word. Now, I want to share this with you. And I've said this a couple of times, but this bears repeating. You may have tried before and met with astounding failure. <laughs> Tremendous flat on your face. But God has promised us there would be success. Now, when at times past there wouldn't, but you must speak it with confidence. Don't question it. God can't bless real well someone going alive. Thank Jesus died for you. If you just believe him, it might work for you. That is not holy boldness. Jesus did die for all. Not maybe, not probably. Everybody does need Jesus. So boldness is what God is doing. But I got to tell you something else. The second thing we have is the A word is access. We have access to all of God's power. Well, wait a minute. God has a lot of power. I didn't say you're going to use all of it at the same time. <laughs> you have access to it to do what God is asking you to do. If you speak it, His power will come through you. It will. Acknowledge Him before men and He will acknowledge you before the Father. Now, some people think about this as end times. 
It's not end time stuff. If you acknowledge Jesus before men, He will acknowledge you as you're speaking about Him to other men before the Father, and the Father will send you what you need to accomplish what you're asking them to do for Jesus, or what you're asking Jesus to do for them. This is the acknowledgement. There's this power that's going to go through this. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about it. He says that uh, we have uh, been crucified with Christ, yet we are seated in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ where He can pour out His blessing and His kindness in Christ on us. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And 6. But Romans chapter 5, and, and I, I read this and I, I kept saying, God, I don't want to put that verse in there. That doesn't make any sense. I kept putting it back in. It's the thing that made it through all the visions. Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And I, and I kept telling God, we don't need this. And here's what it says. That having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I read that kind of fast. Let me unpack it in another way. It says, we have peace with God. That means we know God has our back. Scriptures over and over again say God has our rear guard, our foreguard, our side guard, our top guard, and our bottom guard. That God has us. And if we are in His army, marching under His orders, do you think the commander-in-chief of God's army is going to say, uh, no, sorry, not mine. I'm going to send him out to the field to die. To tank it all up. No. God said success. <laughs> I can't say that any other way. You will find success now when you speak this out. Because God has promised us access. You have access to who God is. What Jesus did, you can do. I'm excited about that. The essence basin. The Spirit gives life. You know, there's a lot of different passages that talk about the Holy Spirit. And I haven't talked about it much and not enough. But when I came across this passage, I said, oh, that is really good. I said, I, 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 read, I read this in a wrong context because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I always understood this is the end time stuff. After we die stuff. Then I started reading this passage and, and, and hearing it under this context that the Spirit gives you life. It says, It is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, being Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was this man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. That's us. Now that's a problem. But it also says, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly, which also is us in Christ. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, flesh and blood, we shall also bear the image of that heavenly man. Now you and I have been gifted 
by the power of the Holy Spirit with the image of Christ on us. Uh, still look the same. But listen this. We sometimes look at this from such a fleshly perspective, a natural perspective rather than spiritual. God has transformed us spiritually. Our natural self and flesh self doesn't understand this. It cannot understand this. And when the flesh starts seeing miraculous works of God, it doesn't know how it happened. Ginger story. Don't know how it happened. It happened in the flesh, but it was a spiritual cause. It was God who is spirit. He did that. That was what God did. That same spirit that raised that man from near death, or woman, you didn't say, I don't think, has come alive in us and we are spiritually a new creation in Christ with His image on us. So when we speak to those things in this world that are controlled in the flesh by the spiritual realm, they see Jesus. Those spiritual things see us as Jesus. They see you and you and you and me as Jesus. So when we speak to it, they don't think they're hearing from us. They think they're hearing from Jesus until we say, I, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to. Be bold. Speak it out. God has promised you success to be confident in before faith. The Spirit has made you alive. And the supernatural stuff inside of you speaks Christ to that around you. That is the greatest thing I can share with you, but it's not the last thing. The eye in basin is you are illuminated in Christ. And just, just to kind of sum that up, that you are the light of Christ to this world. You are illuminated. Oh, you may walk around and oh, I'm not illuminated. Not you are illuminated. Christ illuminates you. You have become the light, but you're not like that kind of light right there. Not a hanging light, but a spiritual light. A light that brings light to darkness in this world. You have that authority to do that. And in so doing, the end in basin is not ashamed. <laughs> that, that's the one we get stuck on. Well, I talk, but they might not like it. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed. For it is the power of God that salvation in this world needs it. There is no other way. And if I don't speak it, who will? I'm there. Who else want to hear it? Who else want to say it unless I say it? I am broken hearted at the man that I don't want to hear what you got. But God had something for him to hear. <laughs> and I felt bad. I want to go back and say, listen, listen. I'm a card-carrying Christian. Y'all listen to me. It's the same Jesus. I wanted to do all that. I was upset. Because he didn't want God. And later I was broken hearted. Because he didn't get it. But maybe he got it today. Or maybe tomorrow. Maybe not. But I'm broken hearted that he was resistant to the move of God. But I promise you, if you're not ashamed of the gospel and you speak it out, people around you are going to take notice. (laughs) 
one way or another, they're going to take notice. This is what the 180 degree life looks like. It's a lot different than going, well, I'm just going to come to church. Believe me, Christianity is not a spectator sport. Coming to church is not your obligation as a Christian. It's a foundational part of it. It is the beginning of learning how to go out and do the work. Coming to church is not the work of a Christian. It's the obedience to gathering together. The work happens when you leave. The work is out there. In other words, one person right now is doing something. The rest are listening. That fruit might bear afterward. Does that make sense? Oh man, I'll tell you, we're about to wind this up and the best part's coming. You might say, oh, that's enough, I had enough. You've had enough, but you haven't got enough. Because when you walk out of here, you're going to be different. Radically. It says we're priests today. We get to be priests. I'm going to show you how. I'm going to give each person here an opportunity, very simple to do, but an opportunity to be a priest, to start the work of priesthood with a very physical, tangible act that this church would not be an observatory, but a participatory service today. And I want to tell you what happened in Exodus chapter 30. In the Old Testament tabernacle, and then later in the temple, there was a basin, much like this. And it was specifically said to be next to the altar, much like this. That basin had a lot of different purposes it could have been used for. Many times it was commanded that sacrifices are to be washed before they're slain. Yet in connection with this basin only, only one kind of washing was allowed and commanded. Only one. This is not the sacrificial washing for the animals. It was a different kind. This is the one by the altar in the temple, not the altar where they sacrificed and washed the animals. This basin was for the priest. It's for the priest. Only a priest can put his hands in that basin. Only a priest. Nobody else. And it was the high priest. The high priest which God has said we are in connection with and have His authority. Which means we can put the hands in the basin if we're connected to Jesus. And it says this basin was to wash His hands in it. And the reason that He washed His hands in that basin was one. It was to offer up a sacrifice and show that He's clean before God. Which means when He washes His hands, He's saying, God, I have nothing on me to hold me back from Your presence. I am Your priest. I do Your work. You can look it up in Exodus 30, chapter 30, verses 17 through 20 later. You'll see the story. But there was another wash face, and this is what we're doing today, and I think you'll like this. It wasn't this one near the altar. It was one that was just regular old, nasty old, hand-cleaning basin 
for general purposes. Could have been washing feet, could have been a bunch of stuff. But it takes place in Matthew 27. A man named Pilate has been talking to Jesus. And Pilate finds no fault in this man. Wants to set him free. Even warned by his wife in a dream. Let him go. Don't let this man torture you or torment you. Let him be free. But the crowd roused him up. And he says, I want to set this man free, but they won't let me. And so this is what he does. I'll show you. It's amazing. Maybe you saw a movie where this was depicted. And some water in it. Think this is what we use to wash our hands. That one, I've got some. It's the way you do it, for why you do it, not how you do it. He took a towel, put it over his arms, and went like this. I got nothing to do with this man. His death is not on my hands. I wash my hands of it. First time in scripture is recorded a non-priest in doing it. Only time. Someone washed their hands or something. And he says, I've got nothing to do with that anymore. From here forward, it's yours. This morning, so I'm asking you to do. I'm going to ask you to wash your hands. Oh, you might say, oh, I don't know that I want to wash my hands. I took a shower. Besides, I don't know where that water's been. I don't know what's in that water. What about the water? By your relationship with Christ. Did I ask you to say this? Today I wash my hands of whatever it is. If you've been lying, I wash my hands of it. You're telling the devil I got no part in that anymore. You've been abusive, sinful, walking in fear, guilt, shame, lies, um, cheating, anything, addiction. I wash it. And I leave it alone. I'm done with it. It has no claim on me. You can't bring it to my charge. I leave it behind. I'm cleansed in the blood, which is what the red is on me. And now, I wash off all connection with the blood stained past. And I agree with God that it's gone. And I have no part of that. And now I'm white as snow. And I walk away from this place white as snow. That anything that the devil tried to bring up against me, all the things in the past that the world tried to tell me is still a part of who I am, I renounce it. All dead works in my life are gone. I only want to live for Him. And I'm washing away with the devil's trying to claim on me in my life. I walk in boldness, confidence, access to the throne. Spirit made me alive. I am illuminated by Christ. I am not ashamed. I will not walk in fear. I will not be afraid. God gives me boldness today. As a priest, which is what you are in Jesus Christ, God has shown me that we need to wash our hands 
and be prepared to do the work of the sacrifice of praise, to do the work of the gospel as a priest. That's what we are. That's what a priest is required to do. And what are we washing off once again? I put it out here on a piece of paper. I put it on the altars. And it says, Today I wash my hands of whatever it is. I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I am free. I choose to walk in His freedom. Everything else has been a bound chain. I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me and anoint me so that I will be bold to speak and quick to serve. 